Hi, I'm Jeremy Hall, and you're listening to the Virtually Church Podcast. How cool is that? It's been a while, but we've got some good stuff we want to share with you. Today is basically a rebroadcast of an interview that host Taylor Mason did on the CBF Heartland podcast, talking about issues of church and COVID and technology and how to pursue our values. And so he did a great job, and we are really excited to put that in front of you. Make sure that you're watching our social media. We've got some plans, we've got some ideas, we've got some ambitions, and uh, we're going to have some questions for you soon. So keep an eye on the socials, and I hope you enjoy this interview. I know I did. Make a quick introduction. So uh, Taylor Mason is our special guest for the conversation today. Taylor is the um, associate pastor. It's of students and community engagement. Is that right, Taylor? Yep. At, at Kirkwood Baptist over in St. Louis. And um, the conversation we're going to have today is, is really about this intersection of discipleship and technology, not so much like about how you do better technology in the church. It's really about sort of the values behind both of those elements. And um, it's really, really interesting. But uh, Taylor, first, before we sort of get started, why don't you share with us about yourself and, um, you know, about your work at, at Kirkwood and how, how you came to be there and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I've been at Kirkwood Baptist Church for almost three years. Uh, June will be three years. And I came here because my wife is doing her PhD at St. Louis University. So she um, is getting her PhD in theology and healthcare ethics and is looking to be a healthcare ethicist in a hospital. And so as we were looking for schools for her to go to, she got into SLU. And after we decided we were, well, in the process of deciding we were going to come to St. Louis. I was looking for a job and got connected with Kirkwood Baptist Church. And uh, it kind of all worked out, which was really nice of getting hired here and having a job before school started for her. So um, yeah, before that, I was in Atlanta. I was finished. I got, um, I graduated from McAfee School of Theology in 2017. And um, so I got my master's there. Uh, that's where we met. And before that, I grew up in Virginia, so I'm an East Coast guy, uh, born and raised in Newport News, Virginia, near Virginia Beach on the coast, mm -hmm. and uh, did that. So um, that's kind of my my journey here, and now I've been here for three years, and it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed being here at the church, and it's been, I have to say that because my boss is on, so uh, yeah, no, 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 no. No, I genuinely, even if he wasn't here, I genuinely would say that it's been a joy to work here and it's been a lot of fun. It's given me a lot of space to grow and, and learn how to do new things. So it's been a good, good time. Two out of the three years there at Kirkwood, there have actually been people. Yeah, I was, the other day I was just thinking this. I said, okay, I got hired in June of 2018. June 2019 was a whole year. And by December, that's only a year and a half of 2019. March comes, 
that's when we shut down. I really have only been around in person doing the normal type of things before the pandemic for about a year and almost three quarters. So I wasn't even a f- two full years into this job before like, you know, no people around. And so it's kind of like, I'm still a little new and fresh, although I've been here for three years, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's a, it's a tough time. I feel bad for the people who actually got hired during a pan, the pandemic and, you know, they've uh, pastored a church for a year and not actually met with the full, with the full church. Yeah. So, so Taylor, how did you get into this idea of sort of the intersection of technology and faith? It's not because the youth pastor is always the, the most brilliant with technology at the church, right? Yes. So when, you know, March of last year came around, and we started switching, everyone was switching to virtual stuff. My, my wife, um, Jordan, uh, at SLU was taking some classes and because of her wanting to do healthcare ethics, has taken some classes and read books on the philosophy of technology, like this idea of technology and how it works. And of course, working in a hospital, technology is everywhere and it influences the way that you know, not only does a doctor go to a patient, but the doctor goes to the technology that's connected to the patient, right? I don't just say hello and say, how are you feeling? I look at your heart rate monitor and I look at your chart and all of the data and all this other stuff. So it relates to her and she says, you know, it's going to be really interesting. Um, the thing is, there's a lot of values that are already instilled in technologies that we use. It's going to be interesting to see if those values start competing with more core values of what it means to be the church. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's so true. Like, what's it going to be like if we're, I mean, in March, we weren't thinking we were going to be live streaming for a whole year or we were going to be still having Zoom meetings. But how is that going to impact and change the way we do church as a community? And I'm not really good at writing. I'm not a big academic writer, um, unlike my wife. So I was like, well, why don't, um, I was starting to read articles from Baptist News Global to uh, CBF to all these other of like, everyone's like, this is what, this moment is what the church has been needing for years, right? We've been needing to modernize and, you know, meet people where they are and all this by using all forms of technology that we have at our disposal all of it is good and it's only going to increase how we relate. And some people were saying like, this is the moment that's going to change and make the church relevant again. And I was having conversations. I was like, I don't know if I fully agree with that. And I want to engage in that conversation, but I'm not really good at writing. So um, I was like, maybe I'll do like a little, a little podcast. So my wife and I and a friend, Jeremy Hall in Atlanta, who also does the, uh, he was doing the Kingdom Ethics podcast with David Gushy. Um, the three of us put together a podcast last summer called Virtually Church. And we were exploring these different ideas um, because I, I think we all know after a whole year that the way the technologies that we're using is affecting and changing the ways that we're doing church. That's just, just a fact. I mean, you can't 
you know, you, we have to have a camera right now in our church because you got to connect with people. Yeah. So at, you know, I think you could take this, this idea that we need to be careful about technology and some people might say, well, you know, that sounds sort of Amish or it sounds kind of Luddite even. <laughs> so, <laughs> you yeah. know, what's the, I'll just play devil's advocate. What's, what's the big deal, Taylor? Why, what are you worried about? That's, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, what we kind of were exploring and what I've been thinking a lot about is the, the question comes down to is, are technologies that we use um, value neutral? We, there's a competing idea between this idea that, um, you know, this, this iPad is, is value neutral. It doesn't have any values in itself until I interact with it, right? The internet is, is value neutral until someone decides to be really nice or someone decides to be really evil and bad. Um, but there's also another competing view that that's not always, that's not really the case that technologies in themselves, when we create them as humans, um, we instill some of our values into the way that the technology can work for us. So there is, um, having, having a, uh, electric code on your door to unlock your door um, has a value of convenience. We don't have to take our keys out of our pockets anymore and sift through all of them, find the right one while you're holding the other door open and then get into your home. But instead, I don't even need to take my keys with me anymore. There's something that's been instilled in that type of technology. And that value is good. I have one on my back door. It's great because if we go for a walk, I can lock the door we can go, I don't have to bring my keys and my pockets and all that stuff. It's great. But it's not, I would say that it's not always necessarily the case. And so part of our exploration of the summer was, if that is, if technologies to some degree have some form of values, how can we make sure those values of the technologies that we use, like live streaming, video conferencing, computers, um, or whatever you want to be, um, doesn't supersede or negate some of the Christian values that we have as ministers and that we have as a church community. Um, and sometimes they can be very competing, um, depending on our understanding of what our values are as a church or as Christians. So that's kind of like, what I would say, and it's a little bit, it's more complicated. So that's why we had, we did like eight episodes, eight hour long episode podcasts, interviewing different people and parsing out this idea because it's a much more complex idea. And we've, we've been brought up in a culture that like, you know, uh, Facebook is just a tool and people use Facebook however they want. But we kind of know after a long period of time that Facebook has some values in it, like profit, and advertising that are built into it in a way to keep things going. So like that, I wanted to bring into the conversation into where are we going to go as a church, as Christians in the next years after this experience that we've all had together. Okay. So as you, as you talked about that, as you considered sort of the, 
the range of technology choices that that churches have. What are, what are some of the values that you that you discovered or kind of honed in that are baked into some of those technologies, and how do they compare to some of the values that churches would typically try to bake into their, um, you know, to their organizations or to, to who they are? Yeah, I mean, okay, so we could go really classic technology. We could think of cameras or live streaming or computers, but we could take even just like the traditional hammer, right? Yeah. The hammer that we have can be argued as a form of technology that we've created to make building things easier, faster, um, more sturdy. So like values and technology are often like the big ones are efficiency, right? You know, we, uh, the model T and the need for the, you know, um, what's it called? The, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's more efficient, right? Um, it's uh, efficacy, right, is another thing. Um, can this achieve, uh, is it is, uh, this technology creates something that it becomes more effective. Um, we create analytical technology so that we know we can be more effective in what we wanna do later, right? Um, perfection can be a form of technology, right? We want uh, identical repetition in technology. We, we create a screen printing machine because it can print the same thing as many times as we want, right? We, um, convenience is a big one for technology. It's just, I, I love having a car. It's so much more convenient than walking to work. It really is like seven miles walking to work would be very inconvenient. Um, uh, you know, there's a whole list. I, I wrote down a few more like um, progress uh, is another one. We use technologies to try to progress forward. Think about all the, technologies moving forward for us to try to go to Mars or, you know, all that time. All of these have values and technologies. And then I was thinking about, well, what are our values as Christians or as a church? Um, is perfection a value, a Christian value? Um, is identical repetition a Christian value? Is efficiency a Christian value? Is efficacy or um, convenience, a Christian value. And uh, I started, you know, we were kind of exploring other ideas, you know, caring for the poor is a Christian value. Um, mercy, love, peace, um, justice, um, um, you know, new life through Christ, uh, belonging. Um, and, and, I was thinking, you know, these are core beliefs and values of Christianity. Then you could look at what the values of a church are, right? Like the, the ecclesiology of a church and the community of that um, community, belonging, purpose, acceptance, love can go on and on. And what, as we were going into the pandemic, what is influencing our decisions, right? Is efficiency, is innovation, is convenience influencing all the decisions that we're making? It's more convenient now for us to stay home and watch worship. Or is love, peace, mercy? And 
you know, and then is the type of technologies we're using as we have been in this year is doing, I don't know, uh, Sunday school over Zoom. Is it uplifting the values of our Christian faith or is it in some way negating some of those? And if it is, we need to ask the question, like, what are we going to like, do we, are we okay with those values, those Christian values leaving for the values of convenience or efficiency? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, unfortunately, as I sort of think through it, um, it feels like there's not going to be a clear black and white answer on any of these. It's going to kind of become more complex than I want it to be, um, you know, pretty quickly. So, but as, as you've thought through it, um, what are some of the more obvious like areas of, of danger or conflict that maybe churches whose, whose first knee-jerk reaction is to say, oh, I'm glad this happened so we can, you know, finally progress in our technology that we're using as a church. What are some of the things we haven't considered as we sort of, if we move too quickly? So, Jeff, this, this comes down to a larger question, in my opinion, on ecclesiology, right? So it's going to differ depending on your church, in my opinion. Um, it's going to depend on what you believe is the, is the purpose and calling of the church as a whole, too. If you're, uh, if you're an evangelical church that um, your community and your leadership truly believes that the main and almost sole purpose is to save souls, um, which much of our Protestant, you know, Baptist traditions has often been about. That's what our culture is really, you know, soaked in in some way. Mm -hmm. Then a lot of these technological values partner right away because um, in our tradition, the way that we've saved souls through Billy Graham or others has been informational transactions, right? I preach and you respond and you're saved. So I can do that through radio. I can do that through video. I can do that through in person. I can do that however I want. And if that is your community as a, if that's your deep ecclesiology value of your church, then you look at how these technologies, I can't really argue against you to say, you may need to change up the way you're live streaming, right? Or actually you need to stop doing some live streaming and find ways to get people more in person. Because if that's your true idea of the church and ecclesiology, then like you better use as much YouTube and radio and all of that. But if your church community has a little bit more of a, and I would say this as a complex view of ecclesiology, that it's not just about salvation because we have a lot of people in our church that are already saved and they're out caring for people, but at the same time, like, what are they going to grow? How are they going to grow in their faith and understanding and act and community and belonging? Then you always need to come back and answer those questions as you start exploring and progressing in new ways. So like, regardless of it's, if it's a technology, maybe you just go, Hey, we're going to do, you know, barbecues on Friday nights. Right. And well, hey, that's awesome. Does it fit into what we believe 
the church should be about. Will that instill community and belonging and love and peace and justice? Or is it just like, um, is it just a party night, right? Like that doesn't do any of that. And it, you're, you're just always having to hold that kind of those lists and values and, and, and like having that as you're having the conversations about what you're going to do. And it, I think it works the same thing with technology. I mean, we've had conversations at our church about um, moving forward. We've, how are we going to do uh, choir anthems, right? So before this, no one's in the sanctuary. Everyone's online. So we've had the chance to pre-record them. And then during worship on Sunday, as we're live streaming, all of us in the sanctuary take a second and kind of just like wait while the live stream plays the choir anthem for everyone watching. So as a participant online, you're watching the choir anthem, but someone in the room is not. As we bring people back into the sanctuary space, how are, how are we going to do that is a logistical question. But what does doing something like that do to people in, in the worship space and people online? Is it instilling the values of what we believe our church and our Christian faith should be? Is always, I'm always, and I think Matt would smile that I'm always nagging us of like, is that really work like working? Is that really fitting into what we want to create as a Christian community? Um and uh, I think it also goes to we're looking to bring people back at the end of May to some degree. And we're having conversation. Well, what do you what how do we feel about all of the people that really enjoy drinking their cup of coffee and and watching the video on a Sunday night or on a Tuesday night? Um, is that worship? Is that worship? Is that a worship event or is it not? Like that is an honest, really deep question that I think we should ask as ministers and as the church. Um, is that a worship experience? Is it not? If it is, is that what we want for our community? Does that build and support all the other values of belonging, justice, peace, love, um, all of those other things? And um, I hope that we always keep those in conversations. Yeah, which, which is, you know, you're holding intention the value of convenience versus other values that not that that's a bad value, but is that the one that you want to raise up? Um, and, and, you know, you could say sometimes the value of convenience competes against the values of justice or the values of love or peace, right? It's a lot more inconvenient to uh, have difficult in-person conversations with someone that you disagree with than it is the convenience of shooting off a quick email or a post on social media to yeah. state your point. Um, you know, the technologies that we have make it very convenient to share your opinion. But we also have other values as Christians that it's inconvenient and it's uncomfortable and it's painful to like have to listen to someone else and talk to them face-to-face -face about it. Um, and I think this is the last thing that I, I forgot to mention. I think there's another theological understanding of the incarnation that should always play a role as we continue to move on from a Christian perspective. I mean, in theological and church history, 
in the early, I don't know the dates exactly. I didn't retain a ton. Of, like I still have to go back and read my church history book. Uh, there was debate in the early Christian church of whether or not Jesus was actually flesh, right? Like was Jesus actual flesh or was he kind of this weird, uh, for lack of a better word, projection of God? And our church community for thousands of years has said, no, he was actual flesh. And if God decided to be actual flesh, if God decided to smell his own armpit, as uh, there's a poem about that that I love, I, I can't remember who it's from, then maybe there's something deeply theological about being in flesh with others. And if we... I want to bring that into conversation with the convenience and the efficiency and efficacy of the technological world that we have, that it's very enticing for us to say, hey, we can, we can keep Sunday school on Zoom. Well, what, what incarnational understanding of God are we missing? Um, are we missing that is a question that I want to ask and then bring that in dialogue with the idea of the incarnation. Yeah. Now I feel really bad for my Amish and Luddite comment earlier. <laughs> so let me, let me pause for a minute um, to just yeah. see if there's any other, uh, you know, questions or, or comments anybody um, wants to make. Welcome, Drew, by the way, you, you didn't miss anything. You got the meat of what we were talking about. Fine. Sorry for being late. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, I think what you're, kind of comments Taylor has me thinking through uh, and what I think you're saying is that, you know the medium the medium is the message is uh, um, Marshall, Marshall or something McClellan. like that yeah yeah that with that in mind in in knowing that the with especially coming out or you know, in the stages of coming out of a pandemic, there have been some really wonderful and, and beautiful things that have taken place um, through innovation, or the church's innovation of, of current technology that we have. Um, and some of that, of which we're, we're actually going to be looking to move forward. A lot of churches are saying, this is something that, that we want to, to move forward with. Um, but I guess what I'm wrestling through with that is to what degree are those things that we're moving forward aren't just, you know, adding to, but are actually changing some of our core values and what are the ways in which we assess that? Yeah. I, I think like um, we were just literally talking a few hours ago of, um, uh, some, some people with kid, like really young kids, it's, they've been able to participate in worship and, uh, online and it's a little bit easier cause they don't have to bring their, get their kids. And then they don't have to worry about their kids yelling and worship and all this stuff. And they've been like, Hey, I've been able to focus and listen to worship really well. And at that moment, we could stay in this kind of traditional communal cultural understanding of technology and go great. Oh my gosh. There, it, we found a convenient, uh, effective solution for our parents, which, which may be absolutely true. I'm not saying that that is, is wrong. But 
at that moment, most people forget to ever ask, well, why was it so difficult before this for our kids and our families? Like, is, is streaming on YouTube the only solution to that problem? Um, or maybe we need to ask, were what we were doing before this wasn't working for our parents. Like maybe we didn't have a way to really care for their kids. Maybe they, they needed a place for their kids to go, or maybe, uh, maybe our culture around the idea of kids in worship wasn't good, or maybe, and that's why they felt uncomfortable in worship versus if our culture was different and everyone really didn't care that they were yelling, parents wouldn't feel uncomfortable and they would be actually happy to be there because there's an understanding that kids in worship is something really important or, you know, like I would hope that something like that gets brought into a larger dialogue, especially from a ministerial standpoint, than just the traditional narrative, which is like we found a, a technological solution that solved our problem so quick um, and never having to reflect back on, well, why wasn't it working for us in the first place? And does this technological solution have to be the only one to solve it? Like, we maybe it is pointing out a problem that we had but does that mean like having it online for our parents is like the best thing and hold, upholds all of our current values as a church or maybe there's another way that we can do it but it's just so much more convenient and easier to do that we already got the live stream going so just just stay it's great but that convenience is that a christian value um or is that our church value or is it or is it because the technology has that value in it and it's giving it us to us and we decide, Oh, that's great. That I like that. Um, because let's be honest, we got a lot of stuff as ministers that we got to deal with and figure out and work with. And sometimes having more convenient ways of doing things is great. Like, um, I don't know if that helps at all. Um, Emmett. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just helps as I kind of, how to work through and, and think through this because you know in my mind I think about some of the, the wonderful online offerings that we've had um, and opportunities um, but as we get closer you know you start to hear you know members of the congregation say things like this is great this is this is how I'm going to do this uh, from here on out and you know and you know part of me is, is thinking that's that's not necessarily what this is for <laughs> So, yeah, so I, mean, I heard, yeah. I heard a while back someone say, I love Sunday school on Zoom because honestly, I feel like I can be more vulnerable and I can share more things. I feel like I've gotten closer and, and, and more vulnerable in this moment. And one part of me is like, like you, I'm like, that's all. Like, I'm so glad you feel like you're able to be more connected. But another part of me is like, you didn't feel vulnerable and able to connect with people in person while you were, you were in a Sunday school class together. And if we can't be vulnerable as a community in person, like that's to me as a minister, that would be a core value that I want to create and instill within my community. And if you can't do it, like, is that saying something about the greatness of the technology we have, or is it speaking deeper into something that we need to change or address because if myself under like believes in this idea of the incarnation and the the theological significance and holiness of a physical present moment between two people 
there's something amazing and spiritual going on in that moment. And our church doesn't instill a place where people feel comfortable to be vulnerable in person. Um, that's like disheartening to me in some way, right? Like, because it's showing a, a larger issue that might be existent within our community. Um, and then those are the can, kind of competing things going on and on. <laughs> yeah, I think you pointed to one of those tensions earlier too with um, the willingness to engage in difficult, perhaps prolonged conversation rather than just fire off a, a, a quick uh, post on Facebook that might offend somebody, but I'll never see them. So it's okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, I heard there was like four or five months ago, like I saw one church was like, we just want to welcome our, uh, our newest member from like their church in Texas. And they're like from Oregon that is now part of our community. They're a church member. And I was thinking, I was like, my first reaction was like, oh my gosh, what? That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. And then I was like, okay, well, if if this church's ecclesiology is just, you know, is is just one idea focused of like as many people saved and as many people as members, then yeah, that makes sense. Like this technology provides that convenience and efficiency and efficacy that you absolutely need. But how, what does that mean about your community? Like, how is that person from Oregon going to know like the ailments or like if that idea of like being in person and knowing these relationships on a more intimate level that goes on just an informational transaction, right? Which is to some degree, all we can do online. It's words and images. It's not touch. It's not smell. It's not, you know, it's, it's not, uh, um, you know, eating together, like all these other forms. Um, it, it begs that question of like, well, what, what values are we embracing? Like, what does us, what does that event say about that community and their values on top of that? Like you can, you can work backwards and looking in on that way too. So I am getting the sense that this is, um, not an easy task for the church to undergo, you know, every, and every little, I mean, I'm imagining your and Matt's um, conversations and worship planning and stuff. <laughs> so uh, how does a church um, ensure that there, or what is the process that you kind of would advocate for so that churches can make the best possible decision? Not, not that there's, any absolutely right or absolutely wrong, but how do they ensure that they're at least considering uh, all of those factors as they move forward? Well, you can't, you can't do this if you don't know what is important to your community and to you as ministers, right? So if we as ministers don't know what our core values are as our church and as our ministries, then we can't even begin to have this conversation. And if we are, you know, you might be at a place or someone might be in a place where they disagree with this idea that to some degree technology has its own set of values. Well, then this isn't really a con like, that's more of a basic level conviction argument that we just disagree on and 
there's not much more to say, really. Um, I guess we could debate that, but that's a whole other philosophical argument. But what I'd say is you got to know what your community and your church's values and theological understanding of the church is. And um, maybe that's the first step of just doing, you know, a lot of work within leadership or within um, the ministerial staff or within conversations of like, hey, what's what's the real goal of our church? What's the purpose of this community? Um, what's the what's the role of our Christian faith within a community within people's lives? And then when you have a consensus or an understanding or an ongoing conversation that doesn't really stop, then, then you can begin to say whatever you're doing or whatever you're wanting to create or wh wherever you're moving forward to, you always keep that, like, let's say it's on a post-it note. You always keep, you write down your values. You always keep, anytime you go into a conversation about where we're going, you bring that post-it note with you just to make sure, hey, if we really think about how we're recording, I don't know, uh, I, I hate Kyle's not on here. I'd hate to say choir anthems, but that's just what pops my, let's say we're always, if we're always going to record that all the time, is this going to negate or take away from these core Christian values and faith that we believe in? And if it does, then we need to ask the question, should we do it? Just because it's available, just because we can live stream worship, from now until the end of time, um, if it takes away from certain values that we believe are necessary for our Christian faith and for our community to grow, to understand, to make a change in the world, then we have to ask the question, should we keep doing it or should we not? Um, or should we change the way that we're doing it? Or is this showing us that something was wrong in the first place? But it, it has to be, the thing is, um, I feel like in church, because we're so busy as ministers, because we, it's a fast-paced job going from season to season, it's really easy for us to have these conversations a few times and, and be like, oh, that's really thoughtful and good. I mean, I know for myself how many like, like church help books I've read and I've been like, oh, that's so good. And then I like put it up and then I got like, I got a youth thing to do or I got a ministry council meeting. And then before I know it, like six months later, I'm like, oh yeah, oh, let me, you know, pick it back up and read it. This has to be like a part of the culture of dialogue. It has to be embraced into the conversation of like, hey, we're always making sure that we're, we are keeping these core values and understandings um, for, for our community, regardless if it deals with technology or not, right? Like the way we structure maybe committees or the way we have conversations and create our staffing or whatever, like do, do these uphold and, and care for the things that we want to create in a community or is it negating some of those things? Oh, you're on mute. I think Jeff, are you? Thank you. Yeah. What I had said wasn't important anyway. So, <laughs> um, if I'm, you know, I can envision a church um, kind of having a pretty good understanding of who they are. And once they get into a, a, a culture of dialogue about their values, they could incorporate this as an ongoing sort of pattern 
rhythm of their life together. Um, I think though that there's probably a, a bit of a gap for many church leaders about what are the values of the technology, even if they can assent to the idea that they do have about under underlying values. Where, where's a good resource for church people, church leaders to go to sort of begin to understand that side of the ledger yeah, so that they can balance the two out. So um, uh, the self-plug would be um, that there is a podcast on, on Apple, on Spotify, right? Yeah, Matt's laughing. But seriously, it's called Virtually Church is what we called it. And we have eight episodes where we kind of broke down this idea. And we recorded that over the last summer. So we haven't, with everything being so busy and my wife finishing up her coursework for PhD, we just haven't had time to come back to it. Maybe in the summer, we might bring back another season. I don't know. But that's a really good resource because we interviewed uh, one of the professors at SLU who has this kind of philosophy of technology. We interviewed uh, David Gushy to talk about some of the values of the church, the marks of the kingdom, uh, you know, the values of what it means to be a Christian, right? Mercy, justice, peace, love, all this thing. We um, talked to uh, Matt, you know, we did an interview with Matt since he's a senior pastor um, about just the reality of actually being a real pastor in the midst of all of this. It's fun to talk about it on a, on a, like a, a philosophical or theological level, but when it comes, you know, when the rubber hits the road, it, it's, a whole nother experience. So that's a good resource. Um, uh, like I said, um, for understanding kind of Christian virtues and values, especially from an evangelical perspective, I like, you know, David Gushy's Kingdom Ethics, his textbook. If you really want to go into the idea of the technological world for fun, um, there's two books you can check out. Um, I have them written down real quick. Uh, one is called Christian Ethics in a Technological Age by Brian Brock. That's really good. Um, it's, it's pretty dense, but it's a good, good book. And then there's another one called Moralizing Technology um, by Peter Paul Verbeek, V-E-R-B-E-E-K. And he, has a, he also has a TED Talk. Um, that you can go and watch. So if you type his name on, you could look up a uh, TED Talk by him. Um, and, you know, uh, there's another book that I read a while back called, um, it's called, let's see, oh, Growing Young. Um, and that's published by uh, the Fuller, Fuller uh, Youth Institute. And they did research on like how churches are growing younger and how, and what are those churches doing to like create that culture and community? And it has language of values that these churches have that instill some form of community that people want to belong and be a part of. So that's another good resource too. I, I'd say that those would be some good ways to get, you know, to, to read more up on it. Okay, that's great. I, I think I've heard of Growing Young through CBF North Carolina, I think was doing some work with yeah, it's been around it's been out for like i don't know like five or six years it's, um but it's still some good when I, when I was thinking about like how to establish some core values like they kind of explore that 
you know, it's not the traditional values that some people think churches need for them to grow or to be influential or create a good community. Right. Right. And I thought I knew Verbeek, but then I realized I was thinking of James Van Der Beek. Ah, okay. Whatever that show was, I can't remember <laughs> what he was in. Different people altogether. Yeah. Um, so, our, and I, I, there's probably some good um, documentaries about technology. I've watched one about Facebook and, you know, some of the stuff that's happening underneath it. It's probably, you know, will scare people more than talk about values so much but it's it, it could be influential and, and important to do to look yeah at. and i'm not like i think sometimes it can sound like i'm an anti-technology person right i'm not saying let's get rid of all of our technologies um you know i i mean my notebook is an ipad so like i'm not you know i do a lot of work with technologies i the, the past year i've live streamed youth group stuff right but what i've done is like for example for youth group events i've live streamed them but i've deleted them after i'm done so you can't go back and re-watch it uh because we couldn't be in person you had to watch the live stream when it was happening for it for you to participate in it and then afterwards i deleted it because one of my like the idea is that this is a communal experience that we're having together at one time. And I'm using the technology that's necessary for the moment. We can't be in person safely, but I'm also still upholding this idea that if you're not there in the moment and participating in the games that we're playing through the group me app and all this stuff, then the, then it's not the, the experience that you get when you're there in the moment. So instead of doing some form of enabling for some youth where they could just watch the talk later, there's some form of communal understanding that like, I know we can't physically be in person, but the fact that we're all on the computer at the same time, communicating and watching the same thing at the same time, creates that communal you know, value and belonging that I can't instill because we can't be in person, but I want to always keep. So the way, one way that I do that is I delete the video at the end of it. And if you didn't get to watch it, sorry, you got to come back next week. Um, and that's kind of like playing with this idea of like using technology, but also still finding ways to uphold things that are important um, to me as a minister and what I want to create within my communities. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Any um, thoughts, questions uh, as we kind of near toward the end? Emmett. Yeah, it just, it, um, it, it seems like it's that one of the elements that I, I think is a part of the work um, that you've been doing um, is an education piece. Um, uh, so not just discovering what these, um, uh, you know, or discovering and, and more clearly defining uh, these values, but then communicating that in different ways. Uh, about technology yeah. and, and um, you know, because, you know, I, I think about it, if, if, uh, if I knew that something was live streamed and I knew it would be deleted, I would have one or two responses. One, I would either A, want to make sure I was there at the time mm -hmm. or B, I might get frustrated 
Yeah. Because it's, it's not convenient not for you. It's not convenient. Right. Right? Yeah. This is not convenient. I, I, I'm busy Sunday morning at 1030. It's not convenient. Right. Is convenience. Do we want to create a community that one of the main important values of it is convenience? I don't know. That's a question for your church and your community. I personally would say, I don't think that's a deep core value of the Christian faith. Right. So I would say uh, convenience should not be my number one driving factor for the things that I do, you know? Um, and uh, so, yeah, like what if, um, what if worship was live streamed and you could watch it? Like, let's say, let's say you're like, we started live streaming a year before the pandemic because one of our values were we had homebound members that were not able to participate in worship because they couldn't get out of their homes. So for the first year, we only had five people watching the live stream, right? Five to 10 people, maybe max on a Sunday morning. Um, and that was almost a necessity in some way for them. Like that's a way that they could stay connected and listen to the songs and the hymns and all that. But what if, what if later we go, um, Hey, live streams available at 1030 to 1130 by 12 o'clock it's gone. And, um, like, what would that do to change the conversation in your community? Like, what would, how would that change the way that your church members participate? Like, for example, I had a conversation with the youth parent. She was like, I, we, we got all the kids together and we watched worship at 1030 live. And it felt so much more like a real worship service for us than it did when I've normally been watching it in the evenings, um, drinking a cup of coffee, you know, and I got the blanket on, which great. I love blankets. Right. Um, and so what, what does that say about what we're doing? And as we move forward, what type of experience and community do we want to create? Do we want to create a, a place where it's easier to watch it on a Tuesday night? Or do we want to create that, like, I, I don't know, that's the conversation that needs to always be had. Um, I think that's great, Emmett. Sorry, I keep rambling on, but yeah. Do, do you say that explicitly, Taylor, when you, I mean, <laughs> do you say, here's the reason why I do it this way, because here's the value that we are upholding when we, you know, that's so, important to our church? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't, like, write in the newsletter, of, like, publicize the podcast necessarily that I did, just because it was more the audience was for more us like as ministers, but I did vocalize to my youth parents. Um, hey, this is why I'm deleting it. And, you know, I think con congregants, they're of course very smart. And when we share intentional values, like I didn't go into a deep technological argument of why I think if I leave it up, it might create, dissonance and blah blah but i said hey this is a place where we can be a community and i think there's something special about us all being together at one time so i'm going to delete the video after it's done and the fact that parents and students knew that gave them collaborative communal understanding and participation in what i was doing versus just doing it but not explaining it 
because there's value in people knowing the values of your community, right? Like that builds an understanding and a community of shared experiences and understandings and ideas that create belonging and um, in a place where I think we all would want a congregant to leave their church. And if they were in a conversation and they go, Taylor deletes the videos after it live streams on Sunday nights. That's weird. They go, no, no, no. Let me tell you why. And then like they share the experience of why being there at 530 PM at night is actually really cool. Cause like I'm responding at the same time as someone else. And then as soon as I respond, like Taylor says it. And the fact that we can't be in person, it's kind of like, that is a beautiful way of keeping the conversation of values and of importance and meaning alive in your congregation versus insular within the community or within the ministerial community. Right. Um, but I, I don't, I don't try to explain the philosophy of technology to everybody because it, it's, I just look crazy. You know, people are like, you're just, you don't like technology. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Great. Any, any other last thoughts or questions before we wrap up? Man, Taylor, this was awesome. Uh, I'm so glad you could share this with us. You're probably going to get a bunch more hits on your, uh, on your podcast after this. Um, <laughs> after a full year, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but if, if people want to reach out to you and, and follow up with a question or, you know, look for a resource or something, are you, are you available for that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, T, T Mason at kirkwoodbaptist.org. Um, yeah, shoot me an email for resources or, you know, if anyone wants to talk more about it just in conversation, uh, I would love to. Um, so yeah, that, that's a great way to stay in touch. Um, that's how you stay in touch with me. I don't, um, I don't, oh man, I don't have social media. So now I sound like that crazy guy, right? Like I just went on this whole rant and then I'm like, yeah, I don't have social media. But yeah, so an email, it's not because of that. It's it's more of a personal thing, but oh my God. If yeah. you want to write Taylor a letter, address yeah. to this address. Yeah. Actually, I have carrier pigeons. Everyone thought they were extinct, but they still do exist. It, it reaches more deep into the values of, of animal holistic communication. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, email is great. Okay, that's awesome. Thanks everybody for joining us today. A couple of weeks from now, it's, it's two by Tuesday. So every other Tuesday at two o'clock, I don't have the thing set up for who, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, have several things in process, so whichever one wins out will be the next one. And then um, check our web page for um, the full list. All right, awesome to be with you guys. Thank you, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you.